You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. Thank you guys so much for joining me live. Now, I appreciate you joining me live. Um, if you're new to my ministry, my name's Matt McMillan. I'm a Christian author. I've written seven books. They're all available on Amazon. You know, a lot of people just know me from social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, but um, my books, they're all on Amazon. If you want to go deeper into the stuff that I talk about, be sure to check those out. Every one of my books have been bestsellers at some point or another on Amazon. So there, I get a lot of good feedback from my books, which brings me to the next part of my introduction. If you have read any of my books, please go back to Amazon. Leave me a quick review. I greatly appreciate that. Oh, we got somebody in the Bay Area in California. Uh, are the Warriors going to win tonight or are Sacramento is at the end of the Warriors season? We'll see what happens. I'm an NBA fan, just in case you guys don't know. Yeah, Virginia, West Virginia. Very cool. Yeah, thank you for the kind words about my books. So please go back, leave me a review if you haven't. I've received quite a few reviews lately and they are always very encouraging to me. Thank you. I also have a podcast. This is my podcast. I'm recording it live on Instagram. So this is called Walk Talks with Matt McMillan. I think I'm close to 200 episodes now. If you are listening to the podcast, please pause the podcast, leave me a quick review, and then come back and finish the podcast. Maybe you're watching on YouTube. Thanks for watching on YouTube. Now, many people, once they start hearing this good news message about Jesus, you got a lot of questions, I understand. My YouTube channel is a great resource for that. If you go to my YouTube channel, you can search any keyword, any Bible verse, any topic. I've probably already done a walk talk on it. If I haven't, I'm going to get to it. I have a list of walk talks that I want to do. So, and hopefully you guys can hear me okay today. It is super windy. I walked out the door and I didn't have enough clothes on. I walked right back in and I put on a whole another layer and put my hood up because it's cold, it's windy, and I have this little hand towel at the bottom of my phone here, which keeps the wind from hitting it. And sometimes I'm a little muffled. Sometimes I get a little bit too close, too loud. I apologize, but that's what's going on if it's a problem. If it's not, just forget everything I just said the past 30 seconds. Great. <laughs> but um, if you want to search anything, maybe you've got some questions. Maybe you really like this message about grace, about Jesus, about the new covenant. But what about this, Matt? What about that, Matt? What about this verse? What about this? What would you say to that? I have probably done multiple walk talks on it. If it's a big question, okay, so go to my YouTube channel, search my YouTube channel, and you can, everything I try to index with keywords, even in the title, I try to put some type of keyword in the title so you can search it easily. If you can't find it on YouTube, you can always go to my website, go to the topics page on my website. I have written about it. I've written about everything. <laughs> so go to my website, go to the topics page. You can search any particular topic you're looking for. You know, when I first started writing, these topics were just piling up, piling up, piling up. And then I had them all on my website. And then I continued to receive questions, uh, requests to be able to search stuff quickly and easily. Well, I spent about three or four months in the summer of 2021 going through my website and creating that topics page. And I took all of the keywords, every major topic, 
and I indexed it. So it's not just a, a willy-nilly search engine on the topics page. You can search everything you're probably looking for. Everything. Go to my website. Now, while you're on my website, be sure to go to the free newsletter tab. Sign up for my free daily devotional. All right. So let's get to today's walk talk. Will sexual sin send you to hell? All right, so <laughs> let's talk about a hot topic. When I do these walk talks, just in case you don't know, it is typically because I'm getting a lot of feedback on a particular topic. I'm getting a lot of comments on certain passages, or, or excuse me, on certain TikToks, Instagram reels, whatever it is. That topic is what I'm seeing a lot of. And recently it's been about sexual sin being worse than every other sin and the sexual sins will send you to hell especially if it's an ongoing sexual sin now when you first hear this you're like Matt's telling people they can sin when you first hear this you're like oh this doesn't sound good <laughs> when you first hear this you're like oh something's not sitting right with me on this the reason why you think that is because wherever you have been trained up in, whatever church you've been trained up in, whatever guardian you've been trained up in, however you've been trained with the Bible, Jesus has not been the focus. But not only that, your new identity has not been the focus. So when you understand what Christ accomplished, but not just that, when you understand what has happened to you, to your identity, this makes sense. But until you get to that point, this will be something that causes fear, anxiety, stress. So if you just give me some time, you know, I get <laughs> my inbox. And if you want to contact me, you can always go to my website, go to the contact page. I'll be glad to interact with you there. Or you can just email me directly. It's matt at mattmcmillan.com. My inbox is always flooded with the polar opposites. And I can normally tell if this person understands what Christ accomplished and what has happened to them. Because if what I am saying or what they have read from what I've written has helped them understand that they're typically emails of gratitude. And I love those. They're very encouraging, but I don't find my identity or worth in receiving encouraging messages because I get the opposite all the time as well. I get very threatening emails, very angry emails. There are people who just, they cannot grasp this. So I'll get angry emails, threatening emails, saying that, you, know, you name it. <laughs> and the reason why is they don't understand what Christ accomplished. He's an afterthought. He is, sometimes <laughs> I'll get a page long email about how wrong I am. Not once do I see the word Jesus. So I understand. I don't interact with those. So, and just fair warning, if that's you, if you watch my lives, if you listen to my podcast, watch me on YouTube, read my stuff on social media, and then you send me an angry email, I'll, 
I'll ignore it. Okay, I'll give you a shot. But if it continues, you're going to be blocked and you're not even going to know it because I'll block your email address. And then if you get on your wife's account <laughs> or your grandma's account and you email me again, I'm going to have to block your wife's account and your grandma's account. I have no time for that in my life. Now, maybe you have some legitimate concerns. <laughs> I will be glad to interact with you. You don't have to agree with me. You know, typically in my introduction, I say I don't know everything because I don't want to be known by knowing everything. And when you disagree with what I have to say, and then you email me, if it is done respectfully, I'll talk to you. <laughs> but if it's not, I'm not going to. I have no time for you. <laughs> so you can go be angry somewhere else. You can go threaten somebody else. Because it just does not work on me. If you knew about the religious trauma that I have gone through, your email, <laughs> it's, it, okay, it's just, it's not, it's not doing anything in my life. You're not going to change my mind about Jesus. You're not going to change my mind about who we are. <laughs> That's going to be a main part of this topic today. But give me some time. If you give me some time, I'm going to help you dilute all of the stuff that makes Jesus not a big deal. Even when talking about sexual sin, because when sin is seared in your conscience and your conscience can be seared by anything. When I say conscience, your conscience is just what you're learning. This is why the Bible says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Your conscience can be trained by any type of error. Just because your conscience is trained by error doesn't mean you're not saved. You could very well be saved, but you're going to struggle with that error. It, it could mean that you are not saved. I don't know. You are saved by grace, through faith, in Jesus, once. Even hearing that, your conscience could be said, oh no, you got to live a life of repentance. Oh no, you got to stop this. You got to start that. You got to go there. You got to, it's got to be repentance and faith. It's got to be your obedience. It's got to, where's Jesus? Oh, he's there. Is he? Give it time. Anybody that you listen to who understands the new covenant, they don't know it all. But they understand the new covenant, which is the covenant that Christ brought in at the cross. They're going to help you not mix the covenants. They're going to help you understand what happened to you, what you want. You know, one of the number one threats that we get in the new covenant community is you're just telling people they can do whatever they want. You can't do whatever you want. Do you see how their conscience is trained? Their conscience is trained. Don't do what you want. Why? Because they are trained in sin. They are told that they want to sin. They're not trained up in their righteousness. As Paul told Timothy, train them in their righteousness. They're not trained in their righteousness. They're trained in a sin consciousness community. You should always do what you want as a Christian. Even hearing that, you're like, eh, eh, eh. You want what God wants. You're going to prove it one way or the other, either by living unrighteously, feeling like a corked geyser, feeling like something is not good. 
or you're going to express your righteousness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, keeping no records of wrong, fleeing from sexual immorality. So let's move on with this. I want to say this from the beginning, flee from sexual immorality. This is not a message of licentiousness. And this is what Paul was dealing with when he talked about the passage I'm going to talk about today, which is 1 Corinthians 6, 18. The Corinthians were being encouraged to flee from sexual immorality, but they were never threatened. I'm going to do the same today. I don't have to threaten you. <laughs> Why would I threaten you? First of all, I have no hell to throw you into. Okay. Second of all, I sin just like you. One sin would cause me to go to hell. So I have no right to compare my one small sin or my group of sins to your high level of sins or whatever. The comparison game is just error. It is completely pointless to compare sins. So I don't have to threaten you with hell. I don't have to compare my sins to you. I don't have to say... I don't have to say sexual sin will send you to hell. I don't have to say you have a practice of sin. A practice of sin is an ongoing thing to get better at. Christians don't have a practice of sin. But we want to tally up somebody's sins and then define that practice. A practice is not something that you do repeatedly which defines who you are. A practice is what you do naturally. This is why the same passage in the book of 1 John that says they have a practice of sin, right before this, he says, you have a practice of righteousness. In the book of Revelation, it says, you have a practice of righteousness. But we apply passages describing unbelievers to believers. We describe passages which are descriptive as prescriptive and then we say you're going to hell all right so let's talk about some of this stuff today and again from the beginning sexual sin is not for you saint okay <laughs> sexual sin will never set right with you there are Warnings against sexual sin in the New Testament epistles, Ephesians chapter 5. Flee from sexual immorality. Excuse me, that's 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Ephesians chapter 5, don't have a hint of sexual immorality. It also says greed. <laughs> These are encouragements to, edifications to be who you are. It is not a threat. Paul doesn't threaten anybody with, with hell. He doesn't threaten anybody to the Corinthians. Okay, but here's, here's the thing. If I threatened you because of your sin, sexual sin, if I threatened you, you're going to hell because this is an abomination of the Lord. Oh, this is the seven deadly sins. Which, by the way, they use that seven deadly sins from Proverbs 6 in an attempt to say, no, sexual sins are the worst. And then they'll go to 1 Corinthians 6, 18 and say, no, this is a sin against your body. So it's the worst. Sexual sin is not listed in Proverbs chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6.18 does not say that sexual sin is a worse sin, nor does 1 Corinthians 6.18 say this sin will send you to hell. 
And we're going to talk about the context of 1 Corinthians 6.18 by starting way back in verse 9 and then going up to chapter, excuse me, verse 19. Context matters. But here's, here's the reason why... Just give me a warning if I have snot hanging on my nose again. (laughs) Here is the reason why many people think sexual sin will send you to hell. Number one, and here's a couple different reasons. Number one, they mix the covenants. And if you're not new, what is this covenant you're talking about? Okay, you got the old covenant. I'm not just talking about the Old Testament, but the old covenant, which is the covenant between God and Israel, which was made in the wilderness. Who was the mediator? Moses and the angels. When the cross happened, that was set aside because it is now obsolete. First Corinthians, excuse me, Hebrews 8.13 says it is obsolete and fading away because it is weak and useless. In that covenant, there were 613 different ways to sin listed out. And you could not add to or take away, but our modern church has cherry-picked just the ten. Or not even ten, because nobody's obeying the Sabbath. They pick nine plus tithing. And then they they finagle this new tithing deal, which there's a lot more than just one tithing commandment. And by the time you do the, the math, it's over 20%. <laughs> so nobody's tithing, nobody's keeping the Sabbath. But they want to mix the covenants by taking that, and then they'll mash it into the body of Christ. But yet, at the cross, Christ said what? It is finished. He finished that old covenant in himself. He became a curse. All who rely on the law are are under a curse. Book of Galatians tells us. But they're mixing the covenants. So are you just saying we should just rip out the Old Testament and not take any of that to heart? I'm not saying rip out anything. The whole Bible needs to stay exactly how it is. But we have to read the entire canon of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation based on the event that happened at Golgotha. If you don't, you will mix what was a covenant between God and Israel based on 613 commandments. You will cherry pick. You will water down. You will decide, this is for me, this is not for me. You will attempt to give it your best shot, but you have to be perfect like God. Jesus said, Matthew 5, 48. You can't do that. Romans 6, 14 says this. I'm going to stop to say this. Sin will no longer be your master because you're not under the law, but under grace. Doesn't get any clearer than that. You know, right after Galatians 2.20, so many people, they quote Galatians 2.20 all the time, I've been crucified with Christ. The very next passage says, if righteousness could come through the law, Christ died for nothing. I'm not setting aside the grace of God, Paul says. That's the old covenant. But do you see what happens? We go back into that. We set aside the grace of God, make the sacrifice of Jesus of no value whatsoever. Do you see how we can't talk about Jesus when we talk about this stuff? Because we're talking about behavior. We're talking about sinning. We're talking about a covenant between God and Israel. And if you are not a Jewish person, you aren't even under that covenant. You don't get to follow it. You're a Gentile, a non-Jew. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12 says, You were without hope in regard to that covenant. 
Jesus chastised the Pharisees who were attempting to convert Jew, non-Jewish people, Gentiles, into Jews. He said, the proselyte and you. So we cannot go to the old covenant, take any of it. <laughs> Leave it. Leave it where it's at. Read it. But don't apply it to who you are. This includes the seven deadly sins. Oh, the seven deadly sins. It is an abomination. Oh. You know, I follow TikTok accounts where I blatantly disagree with them just so I can keep up with the pulse on this stuff. And I have seen multiple times the seven deadly sins being used as sexual sin. Like, you can't recover from sexual sin. You are, you are a second-class Christian, third-class Christian, or you might not even be a Christian anymore. But there's not even a sexual sin in the seven deadly sins. In Proverbs chapter 6, who wrote this? A Hebrew person who was under the law. Every sin under the law required a bloody animal sacrifice. All of them. And of course, there were different punishments for worst, weightier matters of the law, according to the law. But on this side of the cross, the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Yeah, but it's a sexual sin. Is it a sin? Yeah, it's death. Death? <laughs> Every sin Romans chapter 1 says, from gossip to murder. So where are you putting sexual sin in that? Where are you categorizing it? Where is it? Where is it? Romans chapter 1. Gossip, murder, they both deserve death. The wages of sin is death. Jesus died. Are we doing some math here? Okay. If the wages of sin is death and a sexual sin deserves death, Gossip deserves death. Greed, sexual immorality of any kind, lusts. You know, so many people want to go to 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10, and they'll, they'll just pick out homosexuality. Our modern church has made a witch hunt out of homosexuality, but they overlook everything else in there. But they'll pick on the one sin because that's the sin that they say, this is the worst. No, ah, hold on. It doesn't say it's the worst. There's, there's other sins in there too. And why, you know, we got swindlers, people who are greedy, adulterers. You ever had a, an adulterous thought? Have you ever committed adultery? We got drunkards. Oh, I don't drink that much. I just got drunk a couple times. Okay, are, are you sure? <laughs> so this is describing unbelievers in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and, the 10, 9 and 10. An unbeliever. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. You're righteous. Why? Jesus. Again, this walk talk is about Jesus. <laughs> so you're going to have to figure out a much different reason to not partake in drunken activities. To not have greedy actions. To not swindle. To not fill in the blank. Over in uh, Galatians chapter 5, uh, other bullet points, so to speak, of certain sins are also listed. Many people will go, oh, these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yep, these are not believers. These are actually people who were attempting to follow the law. That's the context. And what happened 
sinning, lots of sinning, lots of debaucherous stuff. Why? Because they were trying to behave according to the 613. They were looking to their behavior for righteousness. This is why Paul says in Galatians 5, 23, after listing the fruit of the spirit against such things, there is no law. You cannot legislate the fruit of the spirit, but you can legislate bad behavior. <laughs> I mean, when we get down to which sins will send you to hell, the only sin which could possibly send you to hell on this side of the cross, and it was before the cross as well, and most people doesn't, don't understand this, and here it is, unbelief. That is the only sin which will separate you from God is refusing to believe what Christ has done for you. Oh, even the demons believe and they shudder. Okay, so are demons believing for salvation? Do you see how you're comparing your faith to the faith of a demon? The demons have their, th their theology in order. They can see the spiritual realm. They know full well who Christ is, but they also know who you are. Don't compare what you're doing or not doing to a demon unbelievers like to do that or Christians who don't understand what happened at the cross and the resurrection. All right. Now let's talk about the second thing which will cause people to pick out sexual sin as the worst sin of all. Oh no, this sin right here, it'll send you to hell. Watching too much porn, going to hell. Masturbating, going to hell. Homosexuality, going to hell. Fornication, going to hell. Because 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, this is a sin against your body. All other sins are outside of the body, but this is a sin against your body. And you will pay. Hmm. <laughs> you know, this is one of the worst cases of versitis. Where you take one verse and you dangle it in people's face. Look at this verse. Look at the verse. Look at it. Look at you. You're disgusting. But the truth always sets you free. And the truth is, this wasn't written in chapters and verses. This is a full-on letter. Who is the letter written to? The crazy Corinthians. Greek people. If you think the Greek people are wild now, <laughs> think about 2,000 years ago. But what did Paul start out the letter saying? To the saints in Corinth. He gets identity right first. Never threatens them. And in verse 12, he quotes them. I have the right to do anything. This is not Paul saying this. This is Paul replying to somebody. Because this is an ongoing issue. These Corinthians who clearly struggled with lots of debaucherous activity were saying, no, Paul, you said I have the right to do anything because of Christ. So Paul quotes him, you have the right to do every, anything. You're free. But you are not to be mastered by anything. And they were struggling with sexual immorality, homosexuality, greed, drunkenness. And he says, the unrighteous do that. But you were washed. 1 Corinthians 6, 11. But you were justified. But you were sanctified. All past tense. He is telling them who they are. So you should not 
indulge in any of that stuff because that is not natural for you. You don't want to do that. You have the right to do that because of what Christ has done. You're free to do anything. You will not deal with any type of punishment with, between you and God. But this is not who you are. You were washed, justified, sanctified. Quick side note here. Do you notice that it says you were sanctified? So this whole error of progressive sanctification falls flat. Every verse that talks about future sanctification is describing somebody who has not yet believed. Because the only way you could be sanctified is through blood. Before the cross, sanctification happened annually at the Day of Atonement at the temple. We see this in Hebrews 8, 9, and 10. And then Christ comes along and sanctifies you once and for all time through his blood in the real temple, not the shadow, not this man-made shadow of the real temple in heaven. We see this in Hebrews chapter 9. You have been sanctified. So if you think you are being sanctified, that would mean Christ would be getting up and down on a cross in heaven every single time you sin to sanctify you a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. It's not happening. It's finished. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down, Hebrews chapter 1. He will not die again. He will not sanctify you anymore. Hebrews 13 says the only way you can be sanctified is through the blood of Jesus and it's not going to happen again. This is why Paul said you were sanctified. You know, Paul was trained by the risen Jesus. You think Paul didn't hear about this? He went to the day of atonement. He was a Jew. <laughs> Come on. You're not being sanctified. Now, you are maturing. You're learning. You're growing. Your thoughts, your actions and attitudes, so to speak, are being sanctified. But that's not you. You have been sanctified. You got to get your who right. Then your do follows. You know, so many people, they got their do confused with their who. Identity determines behavior if you know you are sanctified you are a holy person colossians chapter 1 verse 22 says you're holy you're blameless colossians also says the father has made you worthy oh there's not one worthy romans chapter 326 keep reading you're describing a passage describing an unbeliever <laughs> that's not you you know, Romans chapter 1 through 5 is Paul describing all of humanity's sin problem apart from faith in Christ. Both the Gentile who did not have the law, but had the righteous requirements of the law written on their conscience. They didn't have the law written on their conscience. They had the requirements of the law. Perfection or bust. And then you got the Jewish race. <laughs> they thought they were attaining righteousness through the law. But the law was meant to shut your mouth. Paul said, there is not one righteous. Keep going. <laughs> Jesus happened. You're righteous now. You're righteous. Jesus made you righteous. Peter said, God has caused you to be born again, to become righteous through being born again. So when you were born again, you became righteous. And when you became born again was the instant you trusted in Jesus. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 for a moment. We see in chapter 12, excuse me, chapter 6, verse 12, that the Corinthians, Paul is quoting them, I have the right to do anything. Yes, you have the right to do anything. Christ has given you complete freedom, but you are not to be mastered by anything. Not by your belly, not by... 
<laughs> not by your crotch. <laughs> so he is telling them, you are united with the Lord. You are, 1 Corinthians six seventeen says, you are united with the Lord. You are one spirit with him. So when you are sinning sexually, you are sinning against your own body. But this says nothing about this sin is going to send you to hell. You know, I've seen a TikTok last summer or something where this famous preacher was sitting on stage. He was doing a Q&A and it started talking about sexual sin. And he had this smirk on his face. And I'm getting a little triggered talking about it. He had this smirk on his face and he said, oh, you've got to be careful about sexual sin. One of the seven deadly sins, Proverbs chapter six. It is a sin against your body. You'll never recover. <laughs> and I did a walk talk on it immediately. <laughs> so I think it, I think the name of the walk talk is the truth about sexual sin, but look it up. But then he used he, covenant mixture. Okay, so you got the covenant mixture of taking the stuff that was written to Israel. You know, whoever wrote that passage in Proverbs could have been David, Ezra. The, there were several who wrote the Proverbs. But it wasn't a child of God who was enjoying the grace of God. And 1 Corinthians 6 hadn't even been written yet. It was written what? A thousand years later? Something like that? So this covenant mixture theology of pouring new wine into old wineskins causes so much turmoil in people's lives. And I, I, I could just empathize with the people who don't, not under, don't understand the new covenant. They, they see this like, well, it's in the Bible. It's true. That is some of the most deadliest words you'll ever hear. You have to read everything based on, on what the cross accomplished. If you don't. It's you're gonna li you're gonna live a life based on a ministry of death and condemnation. You're not gonna enjoy your freedom. You're not gonna be trained up in your righteousness. So First Corinthians six eighteen, this sexual sin, you're sinning against a temple of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians six nineteen, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, honor God with your body. He doesn't say you're gonna go to hell if you don't stop. He doesn't say you're going to learn, you're going to earn less rewards if you don't stop. You're going to lose your salvation if you don't stop. Oh, if you don't deliberately or if you deliberately, you know, here's another thing with that. If deliberate sins count, but non-deliberate sins count, that's not true. Non-deliberate sins also count. Non-deliberate, we see according to the Old Testament count and deliberate. Every sin is deliberate. On this side of the cross, anything that is not of faith is sin. Romans chapter 14, verse 23. So good luck cherry picking. Now before the cross, yeah, there were non-deliberate sins. They had 613 different ways to sin spelled out. They couldn't remember all of them. The scribes could because they could transcribe them perfectly and then they could get you with it. The teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the lawyers who were trained up under the Torah. They could spell them out. But on this side of the cross, anything that is not of faith is sin. Therefore, if you are not walking naturally, it is of sin. Are you saying I'm just sinning all the time? No, I'm saying you're righteousing all the time. I'm righteousing. When I do something that's not of faith, that's a sin. 
Yep, yeah, right there. You just said it was a sin. I know, but it's forgiven. Oh, there you go. You're just, you're taking advantage of God's grace. Darn right. <laughs> if you're not taking advantage of God's grace, you're going to hell. Take advantage. I'm taking advantage of God's grace like I'm taking advantage of this oxygen I'm breathing in. Too much oxygen. Oh, too much. Oh, oh, that's the church. They teach a lot of oxygen, don't they? Oh, you, 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 you need some of that oxygen every once in a while, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. When you really mess up, that's when you get that oxygen. Oh, yeah, oxygen. Oh, gosh, that oxygen just gives people a license to sin. Do you see it? Grace came through Jesus. Jesus is grace. You could do this. You could go to the Bible and you can replace the word Jesus with the word grace. Every spot of the Bible, you will get the same result. I've done it. I did it a couple years ago. Jesus is grace. Grace is Jesus. So you are relying on what he has already accomplished at the cross, at the resurrection. So when you do make mistakes, you're like, that was bad. Thank God I'm forgiven. As opposed to, oh, just a sinner anyway. This is just what I do. Uh, one more stick in the pile. Who cares? Let's keep doing it. Uh, I'm just a sinner. I'm going to hell anyway. Who cares? Nobody can do this. Do you see the difference? As opposed to, well, that's not for me. But that's not for me. Mm, that's not for me. Mm, that's not for me. Mm, that's not for me. Do you see it? You're getting trained up in your righteousness. You're not a sinner. You're a saint. If you were a sinner, why would you, why would you express any type of righteousness? <laughs> you know, Peter said, Christ suffered once for sin to make you righteous. Is he suffering again and 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 again to make you righteous? No. You're forgiven because of his blood. You're righteous because of the resurrection. Deal with it. It was a divine trade-off. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He became sin so you could become righteous. And it happened. Your old self died. Everything sinful about you dead. You're a new creation. So when you sin, you're going to have to deal with what's going on in your mind, what's going on in your relationships. <laughs> You're going to have to deal with everything else except for am I forgiven and am I going to hell? Those will not be your thoughts. You won't think, I got to go somewhere. This was really bad this weekend. I stayed up till three o'clock in the morning and partying my butt off, getting drunk and doing a bunch of stuff I know I shouldn't have done. Or I, I looked at the computer on that website again. I shouldn't have done that. Or I got to go to church today. I'm going to church. I'm going to be, I'm going to be first person up front and I'm just going to lay everything down on the altar and I'm going to get prayed for. It's going to stick this time and I am truly going to repent and I'm going to devote myself and I'm going to wake up and I'm going to have quiet time and I'm going to do this and I'm going to stop that. I'm going to start this and I'm going to go to seminary. I'm going to go to Bible college. I'm going to do everything I can to change my ways. Or that pattern's not going to happen. Because that's not for me. <laughs> yep. My... So the temptation is not even there. And when it's there and when it is raging and you give in to it, you're like, well, I'm forgiven. Oh, this is a license to sin. Do you see? Conscience trained by sin. 
Let me get your conscience trained by righteousness. The only thing that could possibly send you to hell, and <laughs> which I just mentioned, is unbelief. Who is hell? What is hell reserved for? Who is hell reserved for? The Bible tells us hell is reserved for Satan, his demons, and those who never do the will of the Father, which is to believe in the one whom he has sent. If you do not trust Jesus, you will be eternally separated from God. Trust. Don't try. Oh, you just got to get up. You got to try hard this time. This time, try harder. This is going to be the day that you try the hardest. You're really going to do it this time. You're going to do it. You're going to defeat it. This is going to be your day of victory. How many times? What if I fail again? Why is this my year of jubilee? Why is this my year of victory? I've just, I thought... 2016, you said your, your church message and the banner and everything that you passed out said, this is my year of victory. Don't feel very victorious. Do you see it? Trying. Effort. Not resting. Not trusting. Not basking in the fact that Christ has forgiven me. I am also righteous. I am not giving you money so that I can get more money back. <laughs> I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. I am not going to try any harder. I am going to be myself. <laughs> you can't be yourself. You need to get that part of your message gone. If I'm not going to be myself, who am I supposed to be? Be Jesus. Be like Jesus. Well, the Bible says in this world, I'm like him. I'm already like him. 1 John 4, 17. In this world, you're like him. We don't do anything to try to be more like Jesus. What are you going to do? He is the Messiah. Oh, you just got to carry your cross. You got a cross? You got a cross. Think about that. Don't Jesus said carry your cross, but did they carry their cross? It's an impossible standard. That's why he said it. None of them carried a cross. If you think you are carrying a cross, you're right back to trying. You're right back to self-effort. You're right back to, look at my navel, my spiritual navel. How am I doing? How am I doing? Oh, I'm doing great today. I'm doing really good today. I got a thousand likes on that video. Oh, I had 2,000 people watch my story. Oh, God, yeah. I am, I am a YouTube savant. I've got 100,000 subscribers. Oh, I get up early before everybody and I just make sure they're motivated to not only take care of their temple, but also take care of their spirit. So, trying, effort. There's no cross to carry. Jesus carried the cross. You died on that cross with him. You, you died. Your old self died, Romans 6. You have been crucified, Galatians 2. But then you came back to life. Oh, let's go back to that cross thing for a minute. You, you saying we don't have to carry a cross? Both times when Jesus talked about carrying a cross, he is giving an impossible standard to reveal the listener's need for grace. When he went to the cross, where were they? None of them died on a cross that day. John was there in the crowd. Peter denied him. They scattered. The shepherd was struck and the sheep scattered. 
Oh, they died. They all were martyred. I understand that. God didn't do that. Humanity did that. Planet Earth did that. That was not God's desire. Jesus said, I have come to give you life. I have not come to crucify you like I crucified my son. You have been crucified. Supernaturally. If you think you can crucify yourself, once you get one hand nailed in, how are you going to nail in the other hand? This self-abasement deal, it's got to fade away. You are supposed to live. You are supposed to express your righteousness. You are supposed to be yourself. You are supposed to learn, mature, grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. Make a bigger deal of Jesus. But not just that. Make a bigger deal of who you are. Oh, this sounds arrogant. Is it? True arrogance would be false humility. True arrogance would be saying, the cross and the resurrection were insufficient. I have to do my part. What part are you going to do? It's dead works. You began with the spirit and now you're trying to perfect yourself through some type of self-abasement or law observance or keeping parts of the law or getting a formal education or whatever you want to fill in the blank. But it was for freedom that Christ has set you free. Don't let yourself be bound again by a yoke of slavery, whether it is self-abasement slavery of I'm struggling with this sexual sin or I'm not struggling with sexual sin. Look at me. Fear, hypocrisy, we, we know that neither of those come from the spirit within you. So you have to deal with the fact that the wages of sin is death. Jesus died. A sexual sin would cause Jesus to die again. It's not happening. You've trusted what he's done. Deal with it. Deal with what Christ accomplished. Deal with your complete forgiveness. Deal with your complete righteousness. Deal with the fact that there is nothing you can do to mess this up, and that is how God wants it. This is not universalism. This is not inclusionism. I'm not saying everybody's saved, whether they like it or not. Oh, no. And that's starting to float around, especially in some of the New Covenant community. Some of my friends, they've completely written me off because I'm not agreeing with their inclusionism BS. You are not saved automatically <laughs> there are way too many warnings in scripture there are way too many parts of the bible where it says today is your day of salvation be reconciled we plead with you two parties two parties <sighs> so will sexual sin send you to hell no the only thing that can send you to hell is if you've never trusted Jesus. Or if you're a demon. <laughs> uh, or the devil. You have to get to the point of understanding you're not a demon. You're not the devil. And you have trusted Jesus. So when you get to that point, no sin is going to cause you to be afraid of what's going to happen in the next life. You're going to have to deal with what comes along in everything else in regard to the people around you, your relationships, your finances, everything else, your mental health, but you won't have to worry about hell. Hell will be the last thing that you worry about. 
So whether you're struggling with a sexual sin now or whether you think you're a second class Christian because of your sexual sin in the past, none of that matters between you and God. Honor God with your body, but don't think God's going to send you to hell for it. It's not going to happen. Why? Because of what Jesus accomplished, the cross and the resurrection. So I hope this has encouraged you guys today. I hope it's brought to light maybe some truth about sexual sin and hell and everything else that comes along with that. And you should always tell the truth about yourself. What's the truth? You're righteous. You're holy. You're blameless. You're a new creation. You're a child of God. There's nothing wrong with you. And you are awesome. So always tell the truth about yourself. Always be yourself. Love you too. Love y'all. Thanks so much for joining me on this Walk Talk. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content. To be encouraged daily, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.